Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How is everyone? Come on, come on. We ain't that tired. Yeah. Hey, did you know that the Bible says a loud greeting in the morning is worse than a curse? Did you know that? So when I am around people, and I'm not a morning person, but I kind of try to psych myself into it a little bit. Like, I want to psych myself into a great day. So I'll come into the office. I'll be like, good morning, everyone. And everyone's just like, ugh. Like, we don't need this right now. So I guess that's, that's a true scripture, that it's worse than a curse. Is that true for anyone? who, If, if you're around, like, a really out there, kind of excited enthusiastic person that you would just wish they would shut their mouths in the morning. Is that true for you? Okay. All right. I'm sorry. So for you, I apologize. I apologize. I am grateful for bacon. I'm grateful for bacon. Anybody else about that? You can give a yup on that. Dude, bacon. And hey, this place, like I've been coming here for a few years and they don't sell you short on the bacon. They got that thick slab bacon. It's not, it's gristly. It's got like, for real, it's got some pig fat on it. I'm good with that. High cholesterol doesn't just crumble when you touch it. Bacon. That's how you know you're in the right place. That's that good bacon. Does that gross anybody out in here? Is anyone grossed out by the bacon? Man, all right, you're my, okay. Then <laughs> so many were so, they were like, don't judge me, please. I, don't pick on me. I won't pick on you. We just can't be friends. Um, uh, yeah, because bacon's like the meat candy of life. That's kind of weird. Um, did you? Sn- wow. That was a loud snort. And you immediately knew that was your mother, right? Like, mom, don't snort when you laugh. It's embarrassing. I'm so happy to be with you guys this morning. Um, I would like to give you just an opportunity as we're waking up and getting to know each other, give you an opportunity to ask five questions about me, uh, just that I could help you get a little bit more comfortable with who I am. One, first of all, your name, Jason. Got it, Jason. What? I'm having a great morning. I'm having a wonderful morning. I haven't had much sleep these past two days, but it's been a great morning. It was a very crisp air to wake me up. I woke up with the sun rising. It looked like a painting. I'm easily impressed. Yes, what's your name? Jenna. What's my connection with RVR? Um, We've had students, I'm a youth pastor locally, and we've had students come to RVR for like the past, like since it started. Um, I haven't been coming since it started, but I kind of took on like the the legacy. It was a handoff. So yeah, I've been coming here and um, I love it. I love it. And then they were like, hey, we want this big crazy guy to start speaking a little bit. Yep. Name. Maya. Okay. This tattoo, I have um, several tattoos. I'm a tattoo enthusiast. This is a picture of my son and I. Um, it's my favorite picture. I keep it in my office. It's my son when he was about two years old, and we were at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., and we were walking through these, like, this stable, and my wife just, like, took a picture, and I was, like, holding his hand, and we're kind of walking, and um, it was a great silhouette, and it's my favorite photograph of us two, so I decided, and there's just a lot of significance there, like, how I feel in the hands of my God, you know, um, that 
even though I'm leading my son in life, like he's leading me in so many ways in helping me, you know, define who I am as a, as a man and a father. Um, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good man for my son. So even though it looks like I'm leading him, like he's leading me in those things. I want to have integrity when it comes to my family. Like I just want to be that man um, that has implications from my past and legacy. Like we're going to start this. We're going to restart this thing, and um, it's going to be good. Uh, two more. Two more. Yes. Will I be in any activities today? Probably the ones that have to do uh, in the gym where it's warmer and a little more combative, uh, like archery uh, tag. That's cool. And I'm also a huge dodgeball enthusiast. So when we're playing dodgeball tonight, like, that's when the Hulk comes out. Like, no more, like, it, it gets very real at dodgeball with me. Last one. Name. Um, well, uh, I would like to think so. The question isn't will I sing, though, is it? Will, no, it's not will you sing. It's can you sing. Yes, I can sing. I'm not sure it sounds good, but yes, I can. Yes, I can. Can I pray for our time, and then we'll get into what the Word says, and then uh, you guys will get into small groups this morning and talk, uh, talk this stuff out. So I'm excited for our time. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this morning, and um, I just thank you for everything uh, that you have to say to us through this word in Isaiah. Father, as we just, uh, as we walk in it together, I just pray that you would reveal the deeper truths of who you are for us, Lord. You are for us. You love us. You hold us in the palm of your hand, and Father, you want us to just grasp um, how deep and wide um, your love is for us. And so, Father, I just praise you and I thank you for this time. What a privilege it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So real quick to recap uh, from last night, we talked about the sovereignty of God, right? The sovereign Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And we had a prophet named Isaiah who was speaking this prophecy about how there was one who was to come, and he's talking about Jesus in this text, and he's going to come in a, several hundred years from now, and and he's going to come as one who the spirit of the sovereign Lord rests on him. He's, he's drenched in the spirit of God. And we talked about how that's really significant because so God in his sovereignty means that he has all authority. He holds all things together. He had the first word. He'll have the last word. And everything that works in between is according to his will and his purpose for us. And so uh, we talked about how the sovereign Lord, um, the sovereignty of God is, is such a big idea. But but it's, it's an amazing truth that God is all-powerful, all in control, and is all in all. But what we wrestled with a little bit last night is, okay, so God's in control, and he has all authority, but why are things, like, so hard? Like, why are things, why is uh, the stuff in my life so real? And why does it feel it sometimes, like, as crazy as our world is, it doesn't feel like God's in control. And we don't have to look far to, to see that, like, yeah, brokenness exists, and hurt is a real uh, thing. And people have a whole lot to say about how this world should work. And none of it is really adding up or making sense. We are so divided and there's so much fractured, uh, fracturing in our relationships and uh, where we find ourselves. So, so it can be pretty tough to think that like God's good, he's in control, he's all powerful, he's all knowing. And um, he exists because sometimes we can just feel so distant 
from God. And so just wrestling with that last night, like it feels like you're far, was, is a huge deal. Because in a society that says like, hey, like we need to get past the hurt and just, you know, be fixed to who you are. Be fixed to how you feel like you've been created and be fixed to, to being happy and pursuing, pursuing that happiness. Like, and, and, and don't dwell so much on your pain and your hurt, but like let's just have an ice cream cone and get over it. But I think what this, this weekend is giving us, it's giving us the opportunity to, um, to wrestle. To wrestle because we're on a journey together. And the truth is, like, there is hurt. And we, and we went through the text and we picked out some uh, key words about what this text says. Not just about how great God is. Because I think sometimes we could just say, hey, uh, God is great. God is good. God is perfect. God is here. God is love. But we can miss that, like, the truth in this word was he is those things because we're in a certain state ourselves as broken people. And so when God says, like, I came to comfort the morning, I came to be that comfort. Like, he came to be that comfort because morning exists. And I'm not talking about, like, morning, like, daylight outside and the amazing painted sky when the sun came up. I, it, it's sadness and grief. So, like, there's truths about us, that, about our state and our brokenness and where we are. That God wants to um, come and he wants to, you know, um, step into those places. And he does so in a polarity. So out of a polarity. So where there's grieving, he brings joy and he brings comfort. Where there's loss, he brings provision. Right? Where there's confusion, he brings peace and order. Where there's dysfunction, he brings functionality. So, like, this is who God is. He brings what's the fullness of what's good and perfect into broken places. And that is what Isaiah is speaking here. It's like there's a God that's going to meet the needs of the people, and not in the way that they feel like they need it or want it, but in the, in the way that it actually should be. He's talking about restoring the people back to his original intention and design for what they should have been in the garden according to his plan and purpose before they started making decisions out of what they want and what they felt like they needed. And so he's going to bring that supplement, that that he's going to bring that spirit to say, hey, look, this is bad. And it's gotten really polluted and really toxic in this world. And it's like a snowball. But I'm going to come and confront that evil. I'm going to confront that sin. And I'm going to step in. And, to, and this later tonight, we're going to talk about how he actually took it on and solved it. But right now, we're going to talk about how he actually brought comfort and brings comfort. Brings comfort to those places. This is what the word says in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. The spirit of the one who has all authority is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Isaiah is talking about Jesus. Like this is, describes who Jesus is. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. He wants you to be cloaked in praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, 
a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When I think about creation and who God is, um, I think sometimes we can think about God as kind of like a far off, in the sky, really not present entity. Like God's not close. He's not a close spirit. He's, he's an authority. And he, he spoke and everything was. And it's kind of like we're in our fishbowl and life is going on here. And on the outside of the fishbowl, like there's God. And he like holds us and carries us and makes sure like nothing really bad happens. Like that, that can be the type of picture we have in our head when it comes to God. But it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on Jesus and it is his calling to bring comfort to all who mourn. You know what's really hard about um, dealing with your grief and mourning and despair and dysfunction when you think about God as someone who's super far off and not intimately acquainted with your hurt. The problem with thinking that God is far off is that comfort doesn't come from a distance. So if you think about the times when you have wrestled and have been places where hurt has existed and disappointment has existed and you're really wrestling with some things, like it's really amazing to have somebody actually come close, isn't it? So in my role as a pastor, my, one of my primary jobs is to come close to people who are in pain, is to come close to people who are mourning and in grief, Some, to come close to people who are experiencing significant loss in their life. And there's been numerous times where I've gotten the late phone call in the middle of the night from a father or a mother and their son or daughter's in the ICU and it doesn't look good. They're actually contemplating whether or not they have to pull the plug. And it could be from an accident. It could be from an accidental uh, drug overdose that their kid is laying in this situation. And I'm picking up the phone and I'm saying hello and I hear the emergency. And the only thing I can think to do is to jump up out of bed and get to that place. Because I know that they're asking for comfort when this happens. And comfort doesn't just hang on the phone at a distance and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know you're going to get through this. Everything happens for a reason. And like they're not wanting my words, they're wanting comfort. And so I jump out of bed and I get in the car and I break all the rules of the road. I'm not going 35 miles an hour, I'm going 65 miles an hour, and I'm getting to the hospital because comfort comes close. And so when I come close and I come into that place and they're still not looking for my words, they're looking for a pastor who was speaking life into their son or daughter and saying, and they're looking for one who's like, you know my kid and I need you to be with us here right now. We just want to be comforted by you. We want, we want somebody near us who our kid trusted so much. And so I come into that place and I have no words and all I may have for them is actually tears. To come alongside of a father or mother who's wrestling with this situation and all they're looking for is nearness, closeness, and comfort. When comfort comes close, it gives us a picture of who God truly is. And when we see this scripture of who Jesus is to the people, he came to bring comfort to those who mourn. And he represented this and he exacted this. This was manifested in the fact that he came into this world. 
the God, sovereign God of the universe put flesh on and moved into the neighborhood, moved into the dysfunction, moved into this toxic, broken world that he created, that we messed up, and he moved in and moved into our situation. And he came alongside people closely, and he saw them. There are numerous times through the New Testament where it says that Jesus saw him. Jesus saw her. Jesus saw them, and his heart was filled with compassion for them because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. They needed someone to to lead them in the way of of righteousness and holy living. They needed someone to lead them in the way of, of living in line with God's heart. They needed someone to take the lead foot on what it looks like for heaven to actually touch earth when everything feels like it's just going to hell. And so Jesus did that. And he did so by coming close. Jesus was born into this world. And and it's amazing um, how he fulfilled this scripture. Because the first people that were even told about his coming on the day of his birth were some nasty, dirty teenage shepherds out in the middle of a field. In complete darkness looking after a flock of sheep. And these guys are like these wilderness survivalists and they're out there with the sheep and they're tending them. And they are the first ones who get to see the goodness of God and the fulfillment of this scripture. As the herald of angels on the night of Jesus' birth tells them, glory to God on the highest and peace on earth on all whom his favor rests. One has been born in Bethlehem. He's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah and you'll find him under the star. And the first people that get this news are shepherds. They're not some like adult religious elite somewhere in a temple or a church. They're kids out in the middle of the field. And you know what? I guarantee you that those kids out in the middle of that field probably felt like things were pretty dim sometimes or that they were forgot about and nobody was thinking of them. And they had this dirty job of taking care of this dirty sheep out in the middle of the desert. Like that's not fun. That can feel pretty lonely. It can be pretty taxing physically and emotionally like my whole purpose is to make sure these animals don't die out here by myself and yet Jesus chooses to reveal who he is to those kids it's amazing to me hey he's coming close and he came for people like you guys like Jesus, when he like gets older and, and, he, and he starts walking and he starts calling these teenage fishermen out of their boat. Like, these guys were kids. They were your age. He started, hey, come follow me. You're going to help me change the world. And we're going to do it close in relationship with each other. I'm going to know you. You're going to know me. We're going to walk all through this, this, uh, this area, this territory. And as we go, we're going to show people what heaven looks like when it touches earth. And Jesus took time to sit closely with a woman at a well who was of great disreputation, five times married, living with her boyfriend now. And he meets with her at midday and he had no business being at that well with this woman. But at the risk of his reputation, he turns to the woman and he says, give me a drink. Give me a drink of water. I'm thirsty. She's like, 
you're asking me for a drink? Do you know who I am? Jesus said, yeah, I know who you are. Do you know who I am? I'm about to show you. And the eyes of your heart and your soul are going to be wide open. And you're going to just put your reputation and what people think about you to the side because when I come into your life I show you who you really are so you're going to sacrifice all of that and you're going to run to the city and say come see the guy who told me everything about my that's who Jesus is that's what it looks like to come close and Jesus man he he met with lepers like he actually put his hand on the head of a leopard somebody who was untouchable somebody who had a skin condition that was highly infectious and nobody touched lepers in that day that was crazy because you would get leprosy and then you would be unclean and you'd have to live outside of the city miles and miles away and whenever you would walk through a crowd of people you'd have to lift your hands in the sky and you have to say unclean unclean and everybody would keep their distance from you because they wouldn't want to be made unclean too. But the most righteous, most perfect, most grace-filled, love with flesh on person who ever lived or ever existed came close to that person and actually put his hands on them in making them new. Comfort comes close. Comfort comes close. When, when, when my son is hurting or my daughter experiences pain, I'm not keeping at a distance telling them, hey, it'll be okay. Comfort comes close. And when God put skin on and came into this world, he was showing us, I'm not some far off, distant, absent God in your life. And I'm going to come in and enter into this place and enter into a world of suffering. And I'm going to be tempted in every way. I'm not going to sin, but I'm going to know what it feels like to be like you. And soon, I'm going to take all of this on. I'm going to face every bit of your dysfunction, every bit of sin, every bit of vitriol, every lie that has ever taken place, all the murder, all the deceit, all the false living, all the toxicity. One day, I'm going to take all of this on myself. I'm going to completely take it and destroy it as I stare it in the face, and I'm going to redeem this entire situation. These in All of these people, my kids, I'm going to take it, absorb it, and and then I'm going to take them home. Comfort comes close. Jesus died on the cross and rose because he wanted us to be with him. Comfort comes close. Comfort comes close. It doesn't keep at a distance. And there are people in this world that, and in church history and throughout the Gospels where even though comfort was right there and it was tangible and it could be touched and felt and seen and talked about, there were still some who doubted. Because even though comfort came close, their situation was getting worse from a physical standpoint. And so in Luke chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, there was this man named John the Baptist and it was his job to preach that Jesus was coming, that the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 was happening, like in the time was now. He was coming. He was going to do all of this amazing stuff. 
He was going to come and redeem the world. He's going to bring comfort to the morning. He was going to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He was going to set the captives free. The blind would have sight. The deaf will hear. Like, the lame will walk. The dead will come to life. And this guy named John was telling the people, hey, he's here. He's coming. And we're going to see him. And Jesus comes over and he breaks the horizon as John is baptizing his followers into that truth. Hey guys, let's be the ones who are intense in, in anticipation of the one who's coming. Remember Isaiah 61, what he was talking about? Yeah, he's coming. Guess what? I know him. He's here. And, and when he's ready to, to reveal himself, like, do you guys want to be the ones who like welcome him in and like, yeah, here, here. And now we're going to follow you. Like, I want to be a part of that crew. The ones who were like, yep, we knew it, knew it all along, had faith, now we're following them. It's been awesome. So like he's baptizing his followers into this truth, and here comes Jesus. He breaks the horizon. And Jesus walks up to John after John says, behold, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus comes and he says, yeah, I am who you say I am. And so I want to be baptized into that truth as well. Some of us may have questions about why Jesus was baptized. If he didn't have any sin, why did he need to be baptized? Because in that day, people, weren't, people were baptized in the truth of the one that they were following, in the gospel that was being preached of the one that they were following. So Jesus, when he says, so that this thing can be fulfilled, I need to be baptized by you. If you are the voice shouting and proclaiming that I am who you say I am, I am the one that Isaiah was talking about, I agree because I am, and now we need to baptize me into that truth. And when he did, the sky split. And a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. As, a, as the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord rested on Jesus in fulfillment of Isaiah 61. I am who I say I am. And so John, he keeps baptizing but he gets captured and put in prison. And he's facing a death sentence, and he's in this jail cell, and things are really hard, and he knows that comfort has come close, and the anointing of the, of the living God, the spirit of the living God is on Jesus, and he's like in this place, and I don't know what John was feeling, but if I'm Jesus' hype man, I'm thinking that I'd probably be taken care of. Like I'd be a part of that journey of them walking and healing and meeting the needs and comfort the morning. I thought that I'd be that guy, but I'm here in a prison cell. And things are looking pretty bleak. And I can feel like in that moment, John felt like he was forgotten about because things just got a whole lot harder. And maybe he's wrestling. Is my mission over? Is my time come? And he's starting to wrestle with these doubts. Here's the thing. God comes close, but it's okay if we have doubts because if our doubts can do anything, it's lead us into deeper truths about who God is. It's about what we do with our doubts. And so John sends word to Jesus and he says, are you really the one? Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Because John isn't seeing the miracles. He's in prison. 
And he's like, here's the guy who was in fulfillment of Isaiah 61. And I don't get to see the miracles. I don't get to see the woman at the well. I don't get to see the man with the curled up hand that got outstretched. I don't get to see the leper being healed. I don't get to see the eyes being opened. I don't get to see this. All I hear is reports. And, and I feel really alone right now. I even feel abandoned. And so right now I might be thinking, what was this all worth? And man, if I'm in here and he's not who he says he is, I'm going to be beating myself up and feeling so lost. But Jesus sends word to John to reassure him of who he was and who he is. And he did so in using the text and referencing what Aya said in the scripture about who he was and what he came to do. He said, John, you already saw the spirit of the sovereign Lord come upon me. You heard the voice of my father say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And I know you're not seeing the fruit of it, but here's what's happening. Jesus says, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Tell them I'm doing it. Tell them that love is coming close and it puts skin on and flesh on and entered into this broken situation and it's bringing hope to broken people and they're being healed and they're being raised and a God did not remain distant to bring comfort he came close in proximity and it's happening and they're seeing what it looks like for heaven to touch earth real time it's being fulfilled I feel like Jesus is saying to John the Baptist, hey man, like, rest easy, take a load off, don't worry about what's happening, rest assured, the kingdom is here, and I haven't forgotten about you either, and because of what you did, and what you taught, and who I am, there's even going to be a group of about 200 people in an old town meeting home at River Valley Ranch, and they're gonna, it's going to be 2019, and they're going to be sitting here hearing about what I came to do, and who I am, and guess what? I'm coming close to them, too. I'm coming for them. I'm coming for them. I'm entering into their situation, too. And their life is never going to be the same. I'm coming for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your truth. I thank you for who you are. Father, I am so deeply grateful that you coming close in proximity to us, you entering into our situation, is so unique to our faith. It's what sets us apart. The creator of the universe put flesh on and met us where we are, where we were. And he came to comfort. Comfort doesn't stay distant. It comes close. And that's what you came to do. 
Father, if there's anybody in this room right now who's experiencing grief, mourning, loss, depression, there's anxiety, stress, aloneness, reveal to them right now, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And I'm for you. And I'm with you. And I died for you. And I want you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.